You're listening to a podcast from Burley Heads Church of Christ, from Burley Heads on the Gold Coast. Thanks, Steve. So, uh, how are we all doing this morning? Good. Good to see a few more of you here than usual. Uh, It's always great to see some new faces uh, in the church. So, if you've been around recently, you will know that as a church, we've been going through a series of our core postures and our core practices. Um... And, and we've been, if you know, if you're part of this church, you'll know that our core beliefs and our core practices are gather, grow and go. So those are three things that we believe in here at Burley Church of Christ and things we like to empower people to do in their everyday lives. Um, so a while ago we had Mez preach a cracker of a sermon about the Holy Spirit and about how we gather and, and what role the Holy Spirit uh, plays in that. And then if you were here for Steve's sermon, he spoke about small tables and about how, how we grow as a church. Um, I wasn't here, but I heard that Steve's sermon was almost as good as Mez's, not quite there, but it was almost there. Um, and today, I have the privilege of sharing with you guys our last core belief and our core practice, which is we go. Or if you look up on the screen, I've called it as we go, because we believe at Burley that discipleship isn't just something we choose to do whenever we want, but it's something we do as we go, in our everyday lives, as we're going, wherever you work, whatever you're doing on a day-to-day basis, it's something we do as we go. So today we're going to be going through a small section of scripture in Acts. And um, if you haven't read much of the Bible, it's a few books into the New Testament. So if you've got your Bible here, which I know you all will, you can crack it open. If you don't have um, a a Bible with pages in it, you can get your iPhone out. That works as well. And we're going to have Emmy come up and read the scripture for us. Morning. Morning. So the reading for today is Acts 17, 16 to 25. Paul in Athens. Now while Paul was waiting for them in Athens, his spirit was provoked within him as he saw that the city was full of idols. So he reasoned in the synagogue with the Jews and the devout persons and in the marketplace every day with those who happened to be there. Some of the Epicurean and the Stoic philosophers also conversed with him. And some said, what does this blabber wish to say? Others said, he seems to be a preacher of foreign divinities because he was preaching Jesus and the resurrection. And they took him and brought him to the, to the Areopagus, saying, may we know that this new teaching is that you are present, presenting. For you, for you bring some strange things to our ears. We wish to know, therefore, what these things mean. Now all the Athenians and the foreigners who lived there would spend their time in nothing except telling or hearing something new. So Paul, standing in the midst of the Areopagus, said, Men of Athens, I perceive that in every way you are very religious, for as I passed along and observed the objects of your worship, I found that I found also an altar with this inscription, To the unknown God, what therefore your worship is un- as unknown, this I proclaim to you. The God who made the world and everything in it, being Lord of heaven and earth, does not live in temples made by men, nor is he served by human hands, as though he needed anything, since he himself gives to all mankind life and breath and everything. 
Thanks, Emmy. Awesome. So if you couldn't read that up on the screen, that's my fault. I didn't know it was going to be fluorescent blue. Um, and if you're colorblind, it probably didn't matter, so that's all right. Um, yeah, awesome. So let's unpack this scripture a little bit. We can see that we're in Acts, and that's a few books into the New Testament. And um, before we talk about how it relates to us today, I want to go through a little bit of the context and a little bit of the story around who's speaking and, and, and why they're saying these things. And I think that's important because if, if you've read the Bible before, if you're a Christian or a non-Christian, you'll know that sometimes you just think, oh, I don't know what I'll read. I'll just crack it open to a random page. And, and you do that and then you pluck a verse out and you think, well, that makes no sense at all. So then you do it again and it makes no sense again sometimes. And, and it's really hard sometimes to understand certain parts of a story if you don't read the whole story or understand who's writing it or why they're writing it. Um, so here we know that the person speaking to these people in Athens, which is in Greece, is in Paul. And, and if you've read a bit of the Bible, you'll know that Paul is one of, the, one of the, the main guys in the New Testament. He's one of the big dogs of the faith. Um, um, and Paul went on ministry for nearly 30 years, spreading the news about Jesus and spreading the gospel to people. And here he's speaking um, to people in Athens. And if you read a little bit of the Bible, you'll know that Paul wasn't always called Paul, Paulie boy. He started out as Saul. And, and actually, his Bible narrative starts with him not even being a Christian, but he starts as a Pharisee. And, and if you don't know what a Pharisee is, that was someone belonging to the religious Jewish sect. Um, they were very legalistic. They were about upholding the traditional law. They were, they were a little bit up themselves. And if you've read a bit of the Bible, you'll know that Jesus and these Pharisees, they used to butt heads a bit. They weren't the best of friends. Um, so the Pharisees and the early Christians, they didn't really get on, and the Pharisees actually persecuted the early Christians and, and killed some of them. So Saul starts out as a Pharisee, and then, and then you might know the story on the road to Damascus. He sees the light, gets converted, becomes a Christian, and then goes on ministry for Jesus. And in this part of Acts, he's gone to Athens to try and tell people about the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And, and nowadays, if you say Jesus, everyone knows who you're talking about um, because Jesus is a, and Christianity is a widespread concept. But back then and around the time that Jesus was walking around on earth doing ministry, speaking to people, um, he was not so heard of in other countries and other places. And, that, and that's why people like Paul were called to go and do ministry and tell people about the good news because for some people they had never, ever heard about Jesus. And that's the same for these people in Athens. They've never heard of the God that Paul is referring to. They've never heard about Jesus. Um, it's an unheard concept for them. So Jesus is not a part of their culture. It's new to them. And, and, and like we read in the scripture, Paul's speaking to the people in the Areopagus. And if you don't know what that is, neither did I. I read it and I thought, what the heck is that? But looked it up and I found out that the Areopagus is basically a big rock in Athens. And, and you can go there today and check it out. Um, it's near the Acropolis, which is a big old citadel or a fortress. Um, and these places in Athens you can still go to today. There's actually a little plaque on this big rock that commemorates Paul's sermon to the Athenians, which we're looking at now. So if anyone's in Athens in the next six months, go check it out. Um, and this Areopagus was basically a place used as a court. So it was a place where they would um, try... Um, matters of deliberate homicide and woundings and religious matters and stuff like that. And it was basically a place where people would gather. 
It was a place where people would gather to go and watch the court hearings or do whatever, and they would hang around the Acropolis, the big citadel, and this big rock. And, um, and the, the only thing I can relate it to today is if Paul, on a Sunday afternoon, decided he wanted to go up to Burley Hill. Paul's mate said, come on, mate, we're going to go have a beer on Burley Hill. I don't know if Paul drunk beers back then. Probably not. Probably wine. Um, but you know on a Sunday afternoon that if you're going to go up to Burley Hill, there's probably about 6,000 other people that have the same idea. You know that on a Sunday afternoon, Burley's going to be busy because it's a place where people gather. And it's the same thing here. Paul's going into a place where people gather. And Paul can see that these people, they worship gods. They actually have multiple gods. Um, so they're religious in a sense, but they're sort of missing the point. They're sort of, they sort of, they got all these gods, but, but they're worshipping these idols and not, and not the God that, that we know today. And that's what Paul's trying to explain to them. He's trying to speak to them and break down the root of their beliefs and understand what gods they worship and why they worship them and then point them back to the one true God uh, which he worships and which we worship today. So in terms of our posture of we go as a church or as we go, we can gather some great insight from this scripture as to what it looks like to go into the world to, to make disciples as we go as a church and a body of Christ. And today we're going to be going through three points of what it practically looks like to go or as we go into our everyday lives and share Jesus with people. And the first thing that I found interesting about this scripture and the first thing I think we can take out of this scripture is understanding the culture around you. Understanding the culture around you. And what's significant about this bit of scripture is Paul's approach to sharing the gospel. It's that Paul took the time to understand the culture, observe the world and the culture and the society that he was placed in. So if you're writing notes down, you can put that down, understanding the culture around you. It says in verse 16 of Acts, Now while Paul was waiting for them in Athens, his spirit was provoked within him as he saw the city was full of idols. So Paul can see that this city, it's, it's full of rich culture and sculptures and art, but it's also full of all these idols and these, and these false gods that they're worshipping. And Paul's heart burns because he knows what they're missing out on. He knows the future for these people. He knows that they don't know about Jesus. And I, and I found something interesting about this scripture, and it's that Paul doesn't use a fire and brimstone routine on them. He doesn't set up in the main street, pull out his milk crate and his speaker microphone and start yelling crazy stuff at him. He doesn't do that. Here's, here's an example of um, what Paul doesn't do. So this is a church in America. You can see some of this stuff. Destruction is imminent. Antichrist Obama. America is doomed, repent or perish. So that's what Paul doesn't do. Could you imagine if Paul went into their city, their home, guns blazing, got his speaker microphone out and started saying Antichrist Obama? I don't think they would have been very receptive to that. They probably would have been saying, hey, let's get this whack job out of here. Um, and I'm not saying that, that this approach to sharing the gospel is evil or that it doesn't or hasn't had its season uh, I'm certainly not saying we should water down the gospel for other people. That's the last thing I think we should do. Um, but what I am saying, and what we can see in this scripture, is that Paul knew the people in Athens. He cared for them enough. He loved them enough. He was listening to what God had to say, that he knew that this kind of approach was not going to be successful with these people. 
And the greatest example of this is Jesus himself. See, even the lady at the well, Jesus sat and offered living water to the lady at the well before he confronted her about her sins, her adultery, before he offered her repentance. And we can see that in this scripture. Instead of Paul standing up with his, with his loudspeaker microphone and his milk crate and saying some absurd things to people in main streets, he takes a humble approach. Paul's approach to spreading the gospel is out of love. Paul's approach to spreading the gospel is out of love and kindness. He takes the time out to do some sightseeing. Maybe he goes down, he gets a local kebab from the Greek food shop. I don't know what the food was back then. Maybe he goes for a surf in the local spot. Don't think there's any beaches there. But he gets a taste for the culture. And then he shares the gospel with them. So how does this relate to us today? Well, if you're a Christian and you're here this morning, if you're a follower of Jesus, you might be asking yourself, how does this relate to us today? And, and maybe if you are a Christian, you've tried sharing the gospel with people before. You've tried sharing the message with Jesus. I know I have, but sometimes you feel like something gets lost in the, lost in the message and it doesn't quite go the way um, you thought it would. It doesn't pan out how you thought it would. And I think all too often as Christians, sometimes, not all the times, I find that it can be easy to shove our beliefs down other people's throats and to force our beliefs and our rules upon them without first understanding what they're going through, what's happening in their life, possibly the suffering they've been through. We don't take the time to understand where people are at. See, how often do we as Christians take time out to talk to people, ask about their life before we tell them about Jesus? How often do we take time to understand the culture around us? Are you just throwing tracks at people during their lunch break at work? Or are you walking with people? Are you taking time out to buy them a coffee, take them out to lunch, see how they're going, ask about their family, see, ask about what's going on in their journey. Understand the culture around you. And this isn't just my personal opinion. We can, we can read in Corinthians chapter 13, 1-2, it says, If I speak in the tongues of men and angels but have not love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have faith that can move mountains but have not love, I am nothing. And we can see that in this scripture, that, that Paul's trying to tell these people about Jesus out of love. And if we as Christians are trying to tell people about Jesus and we're not doing it out of love, then we're doing it for the wrong reason. God is calling us to share the gospel with people in our everyday life. When you're at work, when you're at home, when you're in the surf, when you're down at the surf club, when you're on the work site, in the office, God is calling us to share the gospel. And how do we do that? How do I share the gospel with people? That might be a question that you've asked yourself before. And, and if we look at this scripture and take a page out of Paul's book about sharing the gospel, it's clear to see that what we can do is walk with people, take time out to understand their culture, take time out to understand what's going in, on in their life, take them on the journey, and then share the gospel with people. And I've spoken with Steve about this, I've spoken with some of the elders here, and this is what we're about here at Burley. This is why we're doing this series of Gather, Grow and Go, our main beliefs and our core postures. We gather, grow and go. We gather to encourage each other. We grow to look more like Jesus and then we go. 
We go into the surf club if you're Anne and Wayne. We go onto the Aussie electrical side if you're Mitch. We go into the office. We go into church. We go into the supermarkets. We go into your local cafe, whatever it is, and we take Jesus with us. And what you might find is as you get to know people and culture and observe the culture that we live in, you might find the same thing that Paul did. And leading into my second point, that is that that people are hungry and searching for something. And that's our second point for today, is that everyone worships something. Everyone worships something. At the time that Paul's speaking to these people in Athens, we know that they're in worship to these gods. And, um, and here's just a few of the gods that the people in Greece were worshipping when Paul's speaking to them. It's not come up there, but you've got Zeus, Hera, Poseidon, Demeter, Ares, Athena, Apollo, Artemis. And that's just eight. When I was doing a bit of research, I found out that historians have said that at this point in time when Paul's speaking to people, they had over 30,000 gods. So that was just eight, and they got 30,000. And, and although in a modern... Western culture, in Australian society, we might not worship those same gods, but we worship other things. I found that in our culture, it's more popular, it's more common for someone to worship a thing than it is a god. And here's some of the things that that people might worship today. Yes, thanks PowerPoint. Um, Money, fame, success, financial stability, sex, drugs, sports, comfortability, popularity, ourselves, anything like that. And looking at some of the things that people worship in our modern Western culture, the second thing that we can take out of this scripture is that everyone worships something. We were designed for a relationship with our creator. And outside of that relationship, people will always be searching and always be longing for a relationship with the creator. We can see that in this scripture. Everyone worships something. And that's why Paul knew it was essential to present them with the good news. The good news about Jesus, that Jesus died and rose again for their sins. So they didn't have to worship 30,000 gods, they just had to surrender to one. And Paul knew this too. And we see in verse 23 it says, For as I walked around and looked carefully at the objects of your worship, I even found an altar with this inscription, to an unknown God. So they've, made, they've got 30,000 gods. They get to 30,001. Let's pretend this is the idol. 30,001 gods. And they think, you know what? Just stuff it. Don't even give him a name. We got 30,000. There's still got to be something out there. So just say, just call him no name, unknown God. And, and that's good enough. And I think what's happening, what we can see is that these people realise that even though they had so many gods they still realised there was something missing. Maybe secretly, deep down, they thought, well, we've got 30,000 gods, but let's just call this one an unknown god because we're missing something. There's got to be something else out there. And that's the same today. People all around the world, no matter whether you're from a religion and you worship a god or if you're just a part of culture and you worship a thing, people will always be searching for something. Do you realise, church, this morning that everywhere you go, no matter how successful people look, if they don't know Jesus, they will still be searching. They're still searching for that unknown God. 
Even if you look at, at the guy across the road sitting in his mansion and he's got six cars, four jet skis, three wives, probably not three wives today, but he might have a supermodel wife and he's got a pool full of jelly beans. If he doesn't know Jesus, he will still be searching. He's still looking for that unknown God. Even though it looks like that person might have it together, there is still an idol in their heart inscripted to an unknown God. And maybe you're here this morning and, and this might be your first time really hearing about this Jesus guy and maybe some of this stuff rings a bell because you think, oh, you know what, like maybe I have worshipped money a bit. Maybe I have worshipped success or comfortability or financial stability. Maybe I have worshipped myself. Maybe you've tried all that stuff and you've still been left feeling like you're missing something, like there's an unknown, there's something missing. Maybe you feel like you've been chasing your tail. Maybe you've always had something in your heart titled to an unknown God. And if that's you here today, I'm here to tell you that it's the same thing back then, these people in Athens, and the same thing today that people will search their whole lives for. We know his name. His name is Jesus. The thing that people are searching for, the thing that you might be searching for, is Jesus. See, Paul knew it back then, and and that's why his heart burns for the Athenians, because he's saying, you guys have got 30,000 gods and you're still lost. But I know I worship the one true God, the God that you're searching for. His name is Jesus. So what does this mean if you do know God? How does this affect the way we go? So if you're here this morning and you are a Christian, you are a follower of Christ, you might be asking yourself, well, how does this affect me? How does this affect the way I walk day to day? How does this affect the way I go about my life? Well, it means that if we look at this scripture and understand what it's saying and apply it to our lives, we can walk as an image of the unknown God. And that leads me to my last and final point, walk as an image of the unknown God. Walk as an image of the unknown God. You can write that down, underline it, circle it, highlight it, but remember that, walk as an image of the unknown God. And what that simply means is that people are searching for this thing, the unknown God, whether it was 3,000 years ago or today, people are searching for that unknown God. And if you're a Christian, it means we need to walk as an image of that unknown God. Walk as an image of the unknown God. To walk as an image of being fulfilled and not chasing idols and things of this world because we know the name of the unknown God. We know his name is Jesus. And that's the same thing we're called to do in everyday life. No matter how mundane and boring the activity is, whether you're in the supermarket and the lady at the counter is going really slow and you've got crying kids in the trolley, smash and stuff, you are still called to walk as an image of the unknown God. If you're at the cafe, you get your coffee, spill it on the ground, you're still meant to walk as an image of the unknown God. You get to the beach and the surf is horrible, you're still meant to walk as an image of the unknown God. We're meant to point people back to Jesus and what he's done in our lives. And so often as Christians, you know, you know when you walk into the shopping centre, you might be in a hurry, so you walk in, you've got to get your groceries, you're going to be in and out like a brown trout, and you walk into the shopping centre, and there's that guy standing in the middle with a flyer for a timeshare prize home in Narang, and you know that if you lock eyes with this guy, it's all over. 
He'll chew your ear off for 45 minutes about this amazing prize home in West Narang. So you walk and you're trying to avoid him. Push your grandma out of the way, do whatever it takes to get away from this guy because you know that he's just going to wreck your day. So often, as Christians, we can feel like we're that guy. Standing here with flyers, oh, do you want a prize home in West Narang? Do you want to know about Jesus? Whereas if we look at this scripture and understand what Paul's doing and, and do the same thing, we realise that that's not the case. We realise that it's the exact opposite. We should be walking each day like we're handing out free lottery tickets, not a prize home in West Narang. We should be walking each day as if we know the name of the unknown God, to walk as an image of the unknown God. Because we know the key to life. We, know, we've, we already know the name of the thing, the God that people will search for their whole lives and possibly may not find it. If you walk in the image of God, if we gather and grow to represent and reveal what people's hearts cry for, what they're searching for, then we get the opportunity and the privilege to explain or introduce people to Jesus, to introduce them to the unknown God. And when Paul talks to these people in Athens, he's saying, this unknown God that you're just searching for and and you don't even know where to begin, you don't know what his name is, you don't know what he looks like, how he acts, I know the name of this God. I know his name is Jesus. They were searching. And it's the same thing today. We know the name of this unknown God because he is known to us. His name is Jesus. Walk as an image of the unknown God. I'm going to invite Jeremy up to come and play some keys. Um, And while he does that, we're just going to summarise and look at what we've been through this morning. So if you remember, our first point was to understand the culture around you. It's to be a disciple as we go and make disciples. It's to walk with people, to buy them a coffee, take them out for lunch, take time to listen to their story before you try and tell them about yours. Take time out to spend with people before you tell them about Jesus. Our second point was that realising that everyone worships something. No matter whether you lived 3,000 years ago or in today, everyone worships something. We were designed for a relationship with our Creator. And outside of that, people will always be longing. People will forever be searching for that unknown God. And it's our job to show people what we have in Christ and point them back to Jesus. Walk as an image of the unknown God. And we as a church want to equip you in this. That's why we're doing these series. It's so that we can empower you guys and equip you guys to go out into your world, whatever it looks like, whatever you do, and share the gospel with people as you go. To make disciples as you go. And this morning, I believe there's two types of people here. And the band can come up soon because we'll go through our last song soon. But I believe this morning there could be two types of people here. Maybe the first type of person is you're a Christian. And, and, and maybe you've been a Christian for a while and you've tried sharing the gospel with people and it hasn't always panned out the way you thought it would. And because of that, you just think, oh, I just, I'm just going to stop trying. God, you can bring people to me when it works. It'll be nice and magical. And you've given up hope on telling people about Jesus. 
The second person that I believe will be here this morning is someone who's maybe not a Christian. Maybe you've never heard about Jesus. Maybe this is your first time. And and you feel like maybe, just like these people in Greece, you have been searching for this unknown God. You've been searching for something but never been really fulfilled. If you're either of those people, as we go into this last song, I'd love for you to come down the front. Um, Come down the front and receive prayer. Steve's going to be down the front. A few of our elders, John, will be down the front. I'll be down the front. If you want to be empowered to go and share the gospel with people, or if this is your first time hearing about the unknown God that we know today, that his name is Jesus, come down the front and we want to pray for you. And there's nothing scary about coming down the front. Here at Burley, we are a family, and there's nothing scary about being vulnerable in front of your family. There's nothing wrong with saying, you know what, I need prayer for that. If we're all being honest, I know I definitely need prayer for some of this stuff. We're a family, and we want to equip you and pray for you to do this stuff. I'm going to pray, and then we're going to go into our last song. And while that last song is playing... I'd really encourage you, come down the front, receive prayer. Dear Lord, I thank you for this morning. I thank you that we can come here and gather in your name, God. I thank you that you're not unknown to us, God, but we know your name. I pray for anyone here, Lord, that that needs to receive prayer, Lord, or maybe this is their first time hearing about you. God, I just pray that you would work in their hearts this morning. I pray that you would make yourself known in a new way to everyone here. I pray that you would do something new in our family and our church this morning, God. And I pray as we go into our new weeks, we would be able to walk and make disciples as we go. In Jesus' name, amen.